This is No Love Live with Pastor Tim Warholic. Tim is the senior pastor of Paradise Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas, Nevada. Bible, please raise their hand so you can follow along with us. We're serious about going through God's Word. Um, and I was just sharing this past Wednesday with, uh, with the group that was here for the Wednesday evening service of how amazing God's Word is. Isn't it amazing? God doesn't, He doesn't skip over anything. He lets you know all of the information. He lets you know how people fall short. We're in 1 Samuel and we are looking at Eli and Eli's sons. And if you don't know about that, you can flip over to 1 Samuel in your free time and read it. It's pretty crazy how off track we can get if we're not aligning ourselves with God's word. Amen. God's word is living. It's powerful. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. And it does not return void. And we as a church, we focus on the whole counsel of God's word. This is what Paul said in the book of Acts. He says, I did not shun to declare the whole counsel of God's word to you. And it's amazing to me when I listen to sermons or I listen to messages, it's amazing how many people just cherry pick stuff from the scriptures that makes them feel good or makes them have the warm fuzzies. And, and, and that's baloney, right? That's baloney. So we're in Matthew chapter 9 this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll jump right in. Father, we thank you that you love us enough, that you love us so much that you've given us your spoken word, your written word, that you would continue to speak to us, that you would continue to pursue us, that you would continue to love us, that you'd continue to pour out your love into our hearts. There's so many things for us to be thankful for. There's no reason for us to be discontent. We pray, Father, again, that you would speak to us today through your word. Thank you for that time of worship and for our brother and sister who led us in worship, the gifts and talents that they offer to your body. May it be more than words spoken, the fruit of our lips. May it be sincerity of heart singing these songs to you because we do truly worship you. We worship you through the studying of your word and the whole counsel of your word. And and Father, we pray that you bless the tithes and offerings today and that, that they would be done as an act of worship as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The title of today's message is The Three Whys. And I almost wanted to change the title and say The Three Whys as connected to I. Because in our culture, it's all about me, not you, me. It's about me, how things affect me. And Jesus is going to give us some examples this morning. And again, the title is The Three Whys. Why me? If you're jotting them down so you can follow along. The first is why me. The second is why them. And the third is why you. 
Let's go ahead and start in chapter 9, verse 9. And Jesus passed on from there. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. So beautiful, so simple. Jesus is walking, and he's passing by the tax office. He sees who? Who wrote this gospel that we're reading right now? Matthew. This is Matthew's testimony, and he makes it so simple. Sometimes I think that we can overcomplicate things. He makes it so simple. He, he locks eyes with Jesus, and Jesus says to him, follow me, and he gets up and he leaves the tax booth. You probably know tax collectors were not looked upon kindly in those days. They were the enemy. They had associated with the enemy. And even worse than that, it was for income. He literally had a job that he would, they were known as extortioners, where he would not only take the taxes that, that Rome required, but he would take more so to pad his own pockets. He had forsaken his kingdom, the nation of Israel. And he identified with an occupying enemy. And he knew what he was doing. Do you know how we know that he knew what he was doing? Because he sat in that tax booth day after day and he reaped the benefits of being opposed to the people of his own nation. And when Jesus looks at him, he simply says, follow me. And another thing I'm really grateful for is how God always meets us right where we need him to meet us. I was talking on Wednesday about a um, little story I like to tell about my wife and I, how we met, and, and um, how God spoke to me very specifically. I was living in sin as a teenager in a relationship that I should not have been in, and I remember one of the first times I heard the Lord's voice, and he spoke to me, and he said to me, break up with your girlfriend, she's not the one that I've meant for you. And um, it, was like a, it was like a voice in my head. You know, it was like somebody just, I was having a conversation and I kind of responded to that voice and I said, but I don't want to. I love my girlfriend. I don't want to break up with her. And I don't, and I, don't I, I just don't want to. And then the voice said in my head again, break up with your girlfriend. She's not the one that I have for you. And I said, I, uh, he said, and I have somebody, I have somebody else for you. And I said, but I don't know that other person. I, I, I know my girlfriend now. I love her. We're going to get married. And I don't even know who this other person is. And he said for the third time, break up with your girlfriend. Your future wife's name is Grace. And you shouldn't be in this relationship anymore. So long story short, I can't tell you the whole thing. I, I went and broke it off fell back into disobedience. We got back together like a month later, and then she ended up being the one that cut it off, and I found myself at one of the lowest places in my life at that time. Years go by. I had consecrated my life, dedicated my life to the Lord, and I, and I said, I'm not going to date anybody anymore until I know it's my wife. 
forgot about the whole thing about grace, forgot about the whole thing. And years later, I'm in Bible college and Grace and I had been seeing each other. And then there was a time, a short season where the Lord told us to separate, to just cool it down. Things were going too quick. So we separated. And it was one of the most difficult times of my life. And I was crying out to God being like, I thought, you know, what's going on? What's what's happening? Why is this happening to me? And I had forgotten that word that the Lord gave me. And then all of a sudden, in my questioning, in my doubt, and in my unbelief, the Lord spoke to me and said, remember what I told you in your bedroom when you were 17, who your wife was going to be. And I totally forgot about it until that moment. And God knows that I needed him to speak to me a certain kind of way for me to understand and grow. And not everybody's the same. God meets you in the way that, that you need him to meet you. He's faithful to do it. I've seen it over and over and over and over again. And, and Jesus met Matthew in the tax booth. In his sin, he, Jesus could have waited until he, he left for work. He could have met him in some other place, but he didn't. He met him there in the place where he really knew he wasn't supposed to be. He'd given up on his people. He'd given up on his God. If God was the God of the nation of Israel, he was making choices that, that reflected poor faith. Jesus said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Number one, if you're taking notes, the first point, the first question is what? Why me? I, I think that Matthew could have asked himself that question. Look how concise it is and how simple it is. He got up and he followed Jesus. But, but, but he, he was probably asking himself, but why, why me? And there's two different ways you can ask yourself that question. The first way is, is this way, where you humble yourself and in humility, you, you recognize the position that you're in and you say, oh God, your grace is so great. Why me? And the other way that we can ask that question, especially connected to our culture and society is, why me? Why, God, did you do this to me? And why do you treat me like this? And why do these things have to happen to me? And it's all motivated in selfish ambition. But the why me, God, why me, is selfless. It's recognizing that you are identified as a sinner. And it's the best place that you and I can ever be. So I want to encourage you, if you ask that question in these days coming up to Christmas and disappointments and frustrations and family matters, count your blessings. Look at the things that you do have that God has given you and stop thinking about the things that you don't have because he met you right where you needed to be met. He's meeting you right where you need to be met. Can I get a witness? Is God meeting you or is he not meeting you? He's meeting you right where you need to be met. 
So focus on that and stop focusing on the things that you don't have. And I'm telling you just as much as I'm telling myself. Because I'm not any better than, than that process of thinking. I have to remind myself. I shared on Wednesday to probably a little bit too much. I woke up on Wednesday morning in a bad mood. You ever just wake up on the wrong side of the bed, you know, and you get out and you're just like, this is going to be a crummy day. That's how I woke up on Wednesday, and I, and I thought to myself, and I was like, man, am I, oh, this is going to be such a terrible day, and I hate everything, and I'm super frustrated, and I'm super short-fused. And then I thought to myself, you know what, Tim, shut your mouth. What is wrong with you? You have so much to be thankful for. And I had no reason, and I said to myself, you have no reason to have this attitude right now. No reason. And I turned on my, my worship music and I turned it up and I started singing worship at the top of my lungs by myself. God, you are so good. I don't deserve one inkling of anything that I have. You're so good to me. And you know what? My attitude changed very quickly. When you find yourself in a place of worship, also on Wednesday night, we're looking at Hannah, how she was barren, how the enemy used to make fun of her and taunt her for going to the temple of God every year. What are you going back to the temple for? What are you going to go pray for, baby? God can't hear you. He doesn't even like you. That's what the enemy comes in and tries to strike fear in our hearts and, and create discontent. You know what it said? It said she went every year and she prayed every year. And after every section of Hannah and her husband going to the temple and the exchange with the enemy, you know what it says? They arose and worshiped. You know, the day after the Lord said to her, you're going to have a baby, she, she walked away believing. It says she rose the next morning and worshiped before she received the blessing, before she received the promise. She received it. It wasn't materialized yet, but she worshiped God. Matthew recognizes his place recognizes his condition. And what does it say he does? Struggles, goes back and forth. Hey, maybe I'll talk to you. Swing back by next week, Jesus. I'll tell you, let me pray about it. Talk to my wife. Walk away from my income to follow you, and I'll, I'll let you know. I'll get back to you. No, he, he got up and he went. Remember last week we talked about that too? Don't wait. Stop putting it off. Get up and follow him. That's it. Why me? So he arose and followed him. Number two, now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? What, what's the second why? Why? The first why is why me. The second why, we have a tendency to do this sometimes. Why them? Why them, God? Why do they get the blessings and I've got away? Have you ever been in a season of like, why is everybody blessed and super encouraged right now and I feel like I'm in the miry pit of hell? It's not fair. And, and these guys, who are these guys? These guys are the Pharisees. They're the, the upper echelon of the religious elite. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And I love how it doesn't even mince words. 
because this is how they felt about tax collectors. Tax collectors were very clearly identified as sinners. And if we identify ourselves as anything other than what we really are, sinners, Jesus can't meet us there because we're hanging out with the in-crowd, self-righteous, Pharisees and Sadducees. Do you know what Jesus said to the Pharisees and Sadducees? Especially even when it came to their knowledge of the, of the Bible, of the word of God. He said, you guys travel over land and sea. We talked about this recently, didn't we? You travel over land and sea to win a convert that you make twice the son of hell as you are. Jesus' word's not mine. What is he speaking to? This self-righteous attitude that I'm better than you are. That I deserve something greater than you. And the reality is, you don't. You don't deserve anything. You don't deserve God's goodness or his grace. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And, and you could almost hear a little bit of a tone in his voice, can't you? I didn't come to call you righteous people that do everything perfectly. I came to call the sinners. Because it's the sick that need a physician. And it's those who identify in their sickness that they can be made well. How many of you guys like the doctor? I didn't. That's what I thought. No. I don't like doctors. I don't like going to the doctor. In fact, I just got a new doctor recently. Remember, remember the Sunday a few Sundays ago when I said that you guys are all filthy and I wouldn't shake your hands anymore? It was funny. You know, it was funny. It was a joke. Ha ha. We all laughed. I went home that day in the afternoon and I got that flu thing that was going around. It wiped me out for a whole week. You can still hear. Somebody said to me first service this morning, like, what's wrong with your voice? I'm like, what's wrong with your voice? What do you think's wrong with my voice? Wiped me out for a whole week. Just got a new doctor. You know, I realized after I was feeling better, the next week afterwards, you know what I was, I was wondering? I wonder why I didn't go to the doctor, you know? I could have totally gone to the doctor, maybe got some. I don't even like to take prescription medicine. You should make fun of me for that because it's something that, that's, that's supposed to help. I got a headache. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push through it. I don't want any ibuprofen. Ibuprofen's for, for babies and women. I can... Yeah, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It was just shock factor. Shock factor, okay? See, I got your attention. A couple of you were nodding off. I saw it. There was a, a, a flash of a second that I thought you really shouldn't say that. I just powered right through. But it was, it was just a joke. Just a joke. But I'm like, I can handle it. I can handle the pain. Instead of just being like, you know what? There's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. I'm sick. I need to go see the doctor. And those are the people that Jesus came for. The people that could identify with their fallen condition and say, I need help. Not to the people that said, I, I, I knew everything to help myself. Why them? 
Why them? Because they need me. Why you? What do you need? Do you need Jesus? I'll stand here this morning and I'll tell you, I need Jesus. Now more than ever, I need Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for walking by and locking eyes with me and calling me so that I can follow you, so that you could do that work in my life that I cannot do. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is one of, I'll I'll let you know, this is one of my favorite biblical concepts in the whole Bible. It's, uh, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and also I desire obedience, Samuel said to Saul in the words of the Lord, I desire obedience and not sacrifice. And I think that this is so pivotal. This is so important for the Christian church today to understand and realize. If you, if you, you want to identify wolves, you want to identify people who are deceivers and tricksters in the church, you'll see people that start to point to the things that you do for God to gain favor for him. Instead of what he's done for you, his mercy. You guys know what mercy is? I love the definition of mercy. Mercy is not receiving something that you do deserve. I told you the story a month or so ago of driving down the street in my my Tacoma and getting pulled over and the police officer coming up to my window and he said, do you know what you did? I said, I know three things that I did. I broke the law three different things. Yes, I know you're pulling me over for running the red light that I just was trying to get away from you. I ran the red light, and and I know that I switched the license plates from my other vehicle to this vehicle, and I haven't gone to the DMV yet, and I I reached in my my pocket as I saw you walking up to get my wallet out to get my ID for you, and I left my wallet at home. That's what I did. He's like, all right, well, just so you know, I'm going to go run your stuff, and he comes back to me, and he says, hey, so the registration fraud, I'm like, that's a strong word, brother, okay? Can we just... I owned both vehicles. He said the registration fraud is 300 bucks, the red lights 250, 300 bucks and your and your no license is another 200, 250 bucks. You're looking at about a grand in tickets today. And I said, "All righty." He said, "But I, this is what he said to me, but I don't like to write tickets." So, go to the DMV, get your junk straightened out and knock it off. And I said, "Oh my goodness, God, you are so good. Nobody, nobody has a thousand bucks, right? For tickets. Nobody has a thousand bucks for being an idiot. I'm talking about myself. Okay. Nobody has a thousand bucks. You just throw away. I don't care. Give me the tickets. No, I deserved that day. And every day I deserved those penalties. I deserved that fine. But that police officer God bless that Henderson police officer. He showed me what? He showed me mercy. He showed me mercy. God's heart for you is how you treat one another, not what you have to offer him. Doesn't the Bible tell you that you will be known by what? By by your love for one another. But God, I'll give you all this stuff as long as I don't have to care for people. As long as I don't have to love somebody. As long as I don't have to have mercy. As long as I don't have to have grace. 
I was going to lunch with my brother the other day, and and Eastern's a, a, a crazy road between three to seven or whatever all the time. I don't like going down Eastern, and we're crossing over traffic, and it's back to back, and I made it through, and he's behind me, and he drives through, and I I just hear this horn. We got there, and I and I got out, and I said, man, somebody was really not happy with you. And he's like, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't me, and, and, and it was somebody else. But I was just, you know, I like to throw people off. So when they're mad at me and pointing at me and screaming, I say, hey, sorry, sorry about that. And they don't know what to do. They're like, oh, okay. Because our response usually is, no, you shut up. I said the shut up word, sorry. No, you, you wait. I'm, it's my right of way. That's, that's our, our initial gut, right, privilege, mercy, grace. And you know how much, do you know how much mercy I've received in my life? You know how much mercy and grace I'm living in today? You trust me, you don't know. You don't want me to tell you. So much on a daily basis. And God says, I've given you much. I've given you much mercy. I've given you much grace. Now, you know what I want you to do with it? Stick your chest out and flaunt it. God likes me. He doesn't like you. I'm chosen. I'm elect. You're not. You're a loser. God wants you to take it, and he wants you to go give it to somebody else. He says, I don't care what you have to offer me. My desire for you is obedience. Do you know how you can be obedient? By loving one another. Who, them? (laughs) Them? God, don't you know? Been reading through the book of Acts in my daily Bible reading, and I got to the conversion of Saul into Paul, and and. And, and he tells Ananias, hey, go get that guy Paul, or this guy Paul's going to come to you, rather, and I want you to pray for him. And he says, what does he say? God, don't you know who that is? Hey, God, him? Don't you know who he is? He's persecuting the church. And what's the response by God? What does God say to, to him? He says, he's going to, I, I'm going to tell him how much he's going to suffer for me in my name. Go tell him. Go tell him. Wow. And then what is, what is Paul's most clearly communicated message through all of his writings in, in the New Testament? The grace of God. The grace of God. The chiefest of sinners, and by the grace of God, I am what I am. I was talking to a missionary who was in the States, was very wealthy. They had a, a family-owned business. They're very wealthy, very wealthy family. And they decided to, to uh, sell everything they had and move on the mission field and plant a church. And I was talking to them at the end of their tenure there. They weren't there for too long, but I was talking to them, and, and they were moving back to the States, and they were just broken. And, and, and he said something along the lines of, you know, everything that we've given to God, everything we gave up, and, and God didn't bless this endeavor. We deserve to have a successful church plant here, and we don't know what's going on, and we're leaving. Why? Because you have something to offer God? Because you're somebody? Because you're special? God says, I don't care. 
I do not care what you sacrifice. Unless I told you to do it, keep it in your pocket. I desire obedience and not sacrifice. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And he's talking to the Pharisees who are saying, what right do they have to have you hang out with them? They have no right. Filthy, tax-collecting sinners. She says, careful. It's those who are sick that need a doctor. I've come to call Sinners to repentance, not self-righteous people. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Third, why? First, why? Why me? Second, why? Why them? Third, why? Why you? Why you? Again, connected to the second, why do you get these things? What makes you so special? And who are these guys? We see three different groups of people. The first one is Matthew. The second one was who? The Pharisees. Who's the third that are asking the question, why? John's disciples. John's disciples. Who would be probably more closely connected to Jesus or to Jesus' message than anybody else, you know, outside of his immediate uh, following of disciples. Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? Ah, yeah. I I really like that. I know I say I love it a lot because I do. I really like that. Jesus uses an illustration of a party to get his point across. These weddings would last a week, and there was a huge celebration that would happen when somebody was planning to get married. Every single one of you are justifying how you can stuff anything you want in your mouth because it's the holiday season right now. Right? You are, aren't you? Well, I can eat that. It's the holidays. It's Christmas. I got a free card to eat whatever I want as much as I want. I'll die it later. It's time to celebrate. Cookies, pie. Jesus says, hey, if, if we're, we're, we're feasting right now, we're fully enjoying the presence of the bridegroom and, 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 and there's no fasting, but the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins break, and the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Jesus is not a reformer. He's not. He's <laughs> Jesus is not reformed. <laughs> He's not. He is bringing a whole new thing. He's not trying to change what was done before. He's replacing the old system. I love how it's the Old Testament, Old Covenant, and New Covenant. They couldn't fulfill their obligations in the Old Covenant. Therefore, God had to change and bring a new covenant 
And Jesus says, I'm doing a new thing. How many of you want God to do a new thing in your life? I'm kind of comfortable right now. I'm okay. No, you should always be seeking to not be hindered by or connected to dogmatically a system of doctrine or theology that, that is, is, is the way. Now, what, what do I mean by that? This is what I mean. Yes, the word of God never changes. It's always the same. But the application of his word in our lives changes from season to season. God wants you to learn something different about this season that you're in right now. Not just to say this is the way that God has to work. This is what I say has to happen. Why you? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 7, you guys know probably pretty well. I want to read it to you, and I have it for you on the screen as well. But connected to why me and why them and why you and mercy. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Just meditate on these verses. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Nobody's going to get their kids a drum kit for Christmas just to hear them bang on some cymbals. You know, my kids were, were small. We had a rule in my house. Everybody knew. No toys that made noise. You want a sword? Stab your brother in the eye? I don't care. But we're not going to have this repetitive noisy toy over and over and over again if we're visiting family you know like my sister's like here's a toy and they open it and this this crazy sounding noise machine i would look at her i would take the toy and i would throw it in the garbage nice waste of money i wouldn't really do that but it would have been pretty funny take the batteries out push the buttons why? Because it's just, it's noise. It's noisy. Don't you guys like the quiet sometimes? You like to go up in the mountains and just, just nothing. No sirens, no dogs, no noise machines. Just quiet stillness before the Lord. And though I bestow, this is, gets more serious. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. What? The person that sells everything that they have? I'm going to sell everything that I have, and I'm going to give it all to the people who are needy. And, and what, what's the word? If you, if you don't do it, in love, if it's not motivated by love, it, it profits you. That's the word specifically. It profits you nothing. To give everything, I give every physical possession that I have away and give to, or you can even go a step further. You can give your body to be burned. But if you don't do it because of love, it profits you nothing. Love suffers long. These are the tough verses. You guys know? Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not provoked, 
thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. I would love when my wife, I told you, you know, I'm kind of skeptical of people, and I would be complaining to my wife about somebody in the early days when we were young and married. I'm like, this person, blah, blah, blah. And, and she's like, you know, um, maybe it's just a matter of your perspective. Maybe they don't think that at all, Tim. Hope believes all things. Like, you are dirty. Leave me. I just want to be mad. Would you just let me be mad at somebody? She's so graceful. No, it's probably, it's probably nothing. Don't think about it. No big deal. What's your motivation to love? Man, my motivation to love others, I really, I'm, I'm serious. And, and love is, is uh, for me, used to be more of a four-letter word. I started going to Calvary Chapel, Spring Valley in 2001. And I walked in, and it's the weirdest thing. I'd be, I'm sitting there, and then there's this, there's this mountain of a man who looks like, you know, he, he's, he, his biceps are the size of my head sitting in front of me. He's a monster, this biker guy. And, and everybody, you know, gets up and does the meet and greet in the morning or, or in the beginning of the service. And he, and he turns around and he, and he hugs this little baby, itty bitty grandma. And everybody's telling each other, I love you. I love you. And I'm like, that's so weird. I'm not going to tell somebody that I love them because I don't love them. You know why I don't love them? Because I don't know you. Like, unless I really know you, I'll say I love you. But, but I, I don't know who you are. You could be out for my demise. But, you know, now I've learned a lot about love. And the reason that I love people is because I've experienced the overwhelming love of God. It's been poured out in my heart. And I can't, I, I can't do anything but love other people. You know, people make me so mad. Can I get a witness? Anybody want to? People make me so mad, but I cannot stop loving them. I told my wife one day, there's this person that kind of just keep, kept wronging me over and over and over again. Like I'd bend over backwards to try to help them out and they'd, you know, do me over again. And I'm like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. This is what I said to Grace. I'm done with this person. I'm not, if they call me, I'm not going to answer the phone. I'm over it. It's been years. You know what she said to me? She said, no, you're not. You're not done. I know you. You're not done. You love them. No matter what happens, you'll always answer that call when they, when they, when they call out for help. Like, Dang it. <laughs> Leave me alone. Let me be mad. No, you know why? Because the love of God has been poured out into your heart. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Go out and plan on how you can bless others this week, church. How you can love them. How you can speak the word of God into their life. And, that, and pray that it changes them at least to some degree as much as, much as it's changed you as much as it's changing you, because it is. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. for The patch pulls away. The wineskins get ruined, but they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. 
Be open to what God wants to do in this season of your life. And in closing, let's look at the three whys and, and bring some extra application. Number one, um, why me? Ask yourself this question instead of, why me, God? Not fair, not cool. Ask this question, why me? Why is, why is God so good to me? Why is he so caring towards me? My good, good father in a place of humility and submission to his perfect will for your life. And this is why. Why me? This is the answer. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. Why you? Because Jesus came to seek and save you. That's why you. Number two, why them? Here's the answer to that question. Why them? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Why them? Why them? That's why. Because he so loved them. He so loved the world that he gave his only son so that you can know who he is. Number three, why you? Because it's by grace that you've been saved. It's by grace that you've been saved by faith, through faith, not by works, lest anyone should boast. Thank you, God. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your abundant grace towards us for your abundant mercy, for not giving us the things that we totally do deserve. But you, as a righteous king, as a righteous judge, you provide a way. You deal with our sin, you handle our sin, and you call us away from the booth. And, and all we can do in response is to get up and follow you, to walk away from that tax booth, to walk away from that lifestyle, to walk away from those things and receive the abundance of life that you have to offer. Not going back, not compromising, not giving up. Father, I pray that you would bless your church, that you would give us the right perspective going into this Christmas weeks, the next couple weeks. And Lord, that you'd stir us up and remind us to be merciful, to be obedient, to be loving, to be kind, to recognize the fruits of your Holy Spirit manifesting in and through our lives, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to give you all a chance to respond to the Lord this morning. If any of those questions struck you or you feel the Lord stirring or moving you, um, I want to say an extra prayer for you. You have those questions? Why me? Why them? Why do you get that? With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, I would, if, if you want to get up and follow Jesus, if you want to recognize your condition and go to the doctor, the great physician, I want you raise your hand up high for me this morning so that I can pray for you because I know that Jesus wants to meet you right where you're at. I see your hands. I see your hands. Anybody else? 
Father, I thank you for these who have the boldness to call out to you, to get up, to walk away from their situation, to be honest about their condition. And I know that I know that you are faithful to answer those who call on you. So we call on you this morning. Thank you for meeting us where we're at. Thank you for calling us to come away with you, to see your goodness, to see your grace, to see your mercy, to repent of our sins and experience the abundant life that you have for us. It's in Jesus' name I pray for these and thank you. Amen. No